You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Well, it is the day before the big day. It is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I want to first uh, wish everyone a very, very happy and safe Thanksgiving, folks. We do have, despite all the political division in the country, uh, despite the high price of things, despite the fact of um, all the different woes we can talk to, it is still a tremendous day. I love Thanksgiving. I love the day after Thanksgiving. I like that the whole day is about the meal. The whole day is about getting together with family, giving thanks. We still live in the greatest country in the world. We still have a lot to be thankful for. I am thankful for all of you that listen and support the program. And uh, for one day, we, we put aside all of our problems, come together. It's um, it, It's really possibly our greatest holiday and tradition simply because it also it's everyone everyone gets together it's not like it's christmas that some people don't celebrate christmas everyone celebrates thanksgiving so now folks there were there was a mass shooting overnight we'll talk about that and also this growing situation with these people that are sleeping outside um, the state house and, and as i've been saying and i i'm aware of tomorrow's thanksgiving I'm aware of the cold weather, but we, we have to do better with this narrative of, quote, homeless. I think we have to, that, that term needs to evolve and accept there are those that are, are they really homeless? Well, they choose not to work, therefore they don't have the income, the means in order to have an apartment or a home, and they are demanding free housing. In the warmer months, it's getting larger, the number of people who choose to live outside. They do with the tent. Now, I know some people might say no one chooses to be homeless. That sounds good. But when you come to the reality of if you have people who, who they don't work, it really comes down to that. Don't work. They don't have the means. They may not choose to be homeless, but they're also not choosing to be productive members of society. So I think it's it's a little bit of the wording. What what we do know is they're demanding free housing. And there's there's a difference. There is a difference of someone or individuals that for for various reasons, maybe there was some, you know, there's a, abuse of a substance of some kind. It's maybe some of it, mental health. There seems to be less of that. I'm not saying well, there's there's more of those who feel for different reasons, they can gut it out on the streets. And there are, you, you can't ignore the fact, there are more programs to provide medical care to the unhoused, to provide free meals to the unhoused. There's, there's more systems in place. The biggest example is Los Angeles and California. I mean, you're talking about in downtown LA, they're talking over 70,000 unhoused individuals but there's places where they can get coffee where they can get food where they can get different types of gift cards they all have phones uh, they can take a shower i'm not saying it's glamorous but it's it's not the way it has been depicted in the past and and and, and i'm not saying it's it's healthy but many of them some of them they do get like a monthly amount of money it's not a lot to live on but i interviewed someone this summer she gets a monthly check it's not a lot she claims she's disabled um i think if she wanted to she could work but she gets her monthly amount of money and then she just tries to gut it out and she gets free vouchers we interviewed her with one of the the, the shows she gets free vouchers to stay at some of these uh hotels and it's it's listen it's a chaotic way to live but but that is someone who plenty of places could be working some form of a job, but they decide not to, or these, that individual does. But this business of, quote, the homeless, it just seems like a pretty wide net of who we're throwing into that group. And a lot of the people that were sleeping outside the state house, they, did, they don't want to go to a shelter. They, they don't want to sleep. All right, I'll just say that. Maybe they don't want to sleep outside, but they don't want to go to a shelter. They, they want free housing. That's what it comes down to. And they don't have the means to pay rent or they don't have enough money to pay rent or they don't want to pay rent. I'm not saying they are well off, but they have some money, but they spend it on various things. 
and but it's certainly not enough and they feel that rent would take it all but but this business where governor mckee is going to jump into action and grant them emergency homeless shelter beds and everything the more people that you have that are choosing not to work the larger that group is going to get we're going to talk with dan mcgowan of the boston globe we're going to speak with our legal expert attorney tim dodd folks it's the wednesday wednesday before thanksgiving roads are going to be packed right here on the john DePietro show folks remember for all your tree service well you want to call yankee tree call them today 401 401- 439-6028 yankee tree service yankee what can they do they do it all tree trimming experts based right in lincoln tree removal since 2006 and also 24 7 emergency service available call yankee tree service today 439-6028 439-6028 whether it's tree removal stump grinding tree pruning emergency service bucket truck at service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at yankee tree service their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best the treatment plan for your tree and maybe it's an emergency service did something come down call them today 439-6028 439-6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439-6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com folks you are listening show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 a.m 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website petro.com joining us right now is a columnist with the boston globe it is dan mcgowan and uh dan mcgowan in roadmap folks in just a moment we're going to tell you how you could start receiving that for free in your uh, inbox it uh, arrives weekdays but uh you have a scoop in roadmap of of someone that looks like is is uh, going to have a new job from Rhode Island Commerce. Yeah, Hillary Fagan, who's the president and COO of the Commerce Corporation, the, the Economic Development uh, Agency, as, as we you know have known it for years, um, is leaving uh, that job. And it's significant, not because Hillary Fagan is this household name. Listeners aren't going to you know necessarily be familiar with her. What it, is, what it shows you, though, is... You know, I think the, the, the story of the next couple of months is how does Governor McKee, with a full four-year term now uh, secured, you know, how does he staff up in some of the key places? You remember, I mean, Governor Raimondo thought of the Commerce Agency as probably the most important agency in state government, right? She gave sweeping power to Stephen Pryor, you know, who was the former secretary. Uh, you know, they, they basically modeled every big deal out of the Commerce Corporation, right? That's where the Superman building uh, deal kind of came from. It's where uh, certainly any of the big companies that Governor Raimondo either tried to bring or, or in, very often failed to bring, but tried to bring here, um, all of that stems from commerce. And so, you know, I think over the next couple of months, if, it, you know, McKee's going to have to kind of show that he can kind of get outside of the bubble that he has been in for a really long time to, you know, recruit big talent. Um, I think that's going to be his top kind of task uh, when he gets back from vacation and, and you know, is sworn in uh, for a full four-year term. Hey, Dan McGowan, that has not been the... I think we both agree that... that has kind of been his his first whatever it is 18 months in, in office he's if anything has has really really stayed uh within and not only to the bubble of rhode island but the bubble of, of northern rhode island yeah i mean that's that you hit it on the head and that's why i say i think it's such a big you know an important point because you know look there's a part of me that says because one of his big, you know, chief complaints when people would say, oh, you know, you have lots of openings in some of the highest level jobs, lots of the, you know, the Department of Human Services, the, the that, you know, that whole world, um, but also in commerce and also in lots of places. And he would say, look, you know, I, once once I get a full four year term, you know, I'll be able to kind of open up searches. People are going to be hesitant. That's true. People are hesitant to come and, you know, work in a temporary job or that could be temporary. So. 
oh, fair enough that, you know, he gets a pass on that in some ways, but now it comes into, you know, who do you know and who can you recruit here? I think it's going to be a big challenge because to your point, you know, it's not just because Governor McKeown likes to hire people from Cumberland. It's it, it's just simply the network that you have. It's going to be you know, Governor McKee is a guy who, as we saw throughout the campaign, he is a, you know, demand loyalty kind of, uh, uh, you know, really sort of, uh, you know, kind of looks over his back all the time at kind of who's around him and who's going to be, you know, the most loyal. The challenge with that is, you know, you don't have the biggest network in the world. He's a he's a local guy. Gina Raimondo had a, a pretty wide national network. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting to see how he fills out. Again, some of these big jobs, you know, like I said, the president of the Commerce Corporation isn't something that, you know, is going to become the, you know, the most recognized person in Rhode Island. But they are going to, you know, play a major role in any of the economic development deals that are going to happen over the next four uh, to eight years. Folks, we're speaking with Damon Gowan of the Boston Globe. And Damon Gowan, speaking of commerce, uh, I saw you you did write about, I mean, and, and it's just astounding to me. It, it, if people can't notice it, she's just gone to a different level. Uh, she is it's just a level above in a very short amount of time. Those that, you know, she used to be among, but that was... Former former governor now Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo in town. She was in with with Marty Walsh. Yeah, she and Marty Walsh were here for the uh, Providence Chamber of Commerce dinner the other night, and you know the, it was the number one thing that I noticed being in the room for this it was at the convention center. You know they do this every every year, not during COVID, but you know usually every year, and they usually get a big name uh, to come in. They had a uh, you know uh, Chairman Jay Powell here a couple of years ago. They've had. You know, uh, I think Bob Woodward came in at one point. Lots of different folks, you know, come to these things. And that's a room that is tends to be very friendly to Gina Raimondo, right? A, you know, pro-business kind of person, but different level. Uh, you know, I, I joked on Twitter that, that you know, I didn't think the, the panel was going to start because she would just have to stop every two steps to, you know, give somebody, give people hugs. But even just her look, I know it sounds strange, but you know, she, she looked dynamite, you know, walking yep. into this room, she got on stage, she immediately started talking about, you know, what the president wants to see. And like, it's our mandate from, you know, from the president, it was, it, I just, I kept on noticing that she's, you know, very clear about sort of what her job is. You could see why she is, um, you know, one of, in, the, in that cabinet, she's one of uh, President Biden's kind of go-to people. Interestingly, so is Marty Walsh. And you wonder, I mean, those two seem to get along really well. It's very early to talk about, you know, who's going to be running for president, all those kind of things. You know, I, I, I wonder, aside from being two kind of two white people on the ticket, and that may be a challenge. You do wonder, I wonder if President uh, or if Gina Raimondo and, and uh, Marty Walsh will be, you know, people that could potentially team up because they, they have that right combination of, you know, in one case being very friendly to Wall Street, that's Raimondo. The other case being very friendly to labor. That's obviously the labor secretary, Marty Walsh. Uh, they seem to get along, again, incredibly well. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to pay attention to what happens over the next, you know, really over the next 12 months. Because, you know, the, the big question in, in Ramundo world right now is if Janet Yellen leaves, will Gina Ramundo be you know, nominated to be the treasury secretary? Yeah. Um, people in Rhode Island are going to laugh at this, but if you don't see that happen, if for whatever reason, you know, Yellen stays on, or if, um, you know, the Biden administration goes in a different direction on Treasury Secretary, if you start to hear, if we if we find out, you know, in the next couple of months, again, the next year, that Joe Biden doesn't want to seek reelection, uh, don't be surprised if Gina Raimondo is a, is a serious candidate. Now, again, I'm not sure if she can win. But she seems to be moving pieces around the board, uh, you know, has all the relationships with the bet with the biggest fundraisers and donors. Um, it, it is not out of the question that, that Gina Raimondo will run for president if Joe Biden does not um, does not seek reelection. And Dave McGowan, I believe there's even a position they're talking about uh, that would be like a senior advisor to the president would also be a link to Wall Street in, in that community. Yes. I, that might even, you know, I mean, obviously Treasury Secretary, but I, I, I just get the feeling, and I mean, you were there and around her, and I'm not sure how much you got to talk to her, but 
but they sub she she's kept such a low profile this fall um that that tells there's something that seems to be in the mix in in the Biden administration they they think very highly of her yeah and, and interestingly i mean the what we saw from a lot of the you know the 2020 presidential election books that have come out is you know it, it, nobody's backed away from the fact that Gina Raimondo was a serious Bloomberg supporter. There was even reports that she, you know, went right to the Biden people and tried to talk Biden out of, uh, you know, try to try to get him to drop out of the race to support Mike Bloomberg. So there are some sour feelings, um, I think, particularly among the most loyal Biden people uh, for a really long time. But I think they found that she, uh, you know, that that obviously Raimondo is very competent, all those kind of things. And I think they love the idea that, you know, while they're being pushed to the left by, you know, by the party activists, you know, she is their best link to Wall Street. And, and, and they all know that not just for fundraising purposes, but they all know that, you know, if they are going to seek re-election, particularly against President Trump, who prior to COVID, you know, led a really fantastic economy, there are people on Wall Street who, who you know, that, that's the prime area where, where folks who say, you know what? I don't like anything about Donald Trump, but I made more money when when he was the president, right? Sure. And and so I think what the Biden people really want is that link to, you know, to Wall Street to say to people, all right, we we have somebody who's extremely competent in this administration, um, and and right now she is that person. Now again, that draws criticism from the activists. It's what hurts her you know, with the left wing of the party and, and, you know, the growing left wing of the party. But um, it's something that that Biden certainly values tremendously. Folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the, of the Boston Globe. And uh, there's a number of stories in today's Globe about uh, possible, looks like Roger Williams and Fatima uh, could be sold. There's also the, obviously, the, the growing situation with the uh, homeless advocates that are sleeping out in front of the state house. But Dan McGowan, I'm curious to your thought is what is the latest with the Providence schools where the the atmosphere, the accusations, things being leaked. Uh, You tell me, but I I think this things are getting worse. And whether Governor McKee likes it or not, this this is going to have to be dealt with in 2020. It's going to have to be dealt with in 2023. And and as I think I said to see last week, too, I, I think it is probably the biggest kind of stress point that the governor is going to have early in this administration. Uh, think about it, right? You're going to have, you've got a $600 million uh, plus surplus projection. You still have all this federal money to spend. This will be one of the few years, the next, this year, maybe next year, uh, I should say 2023, 2024 um, are going to be the first, you know, the rare moments where we're not talking about, oh my God, Rhode Island is bleeding red ink. You know, what do we have to raise taxes? All those things. So he's going to benefit from that. And it's why I think the schools are going to be a really top, uh, you know, priority. It's interesting. Another person at that chamber event the other night was Commissioner Infante Green. And I, I, she sat down right next to me and we chatted for a little while. And I said, you know, I'm surprised to see you here. You're dealing with all this, you know, stress and stuff like that. And uh, and she acknowledged it's taken a toll on her. Although in that room, she still, I think because of the Gina Raimondo connection, I think still has, you know, some level of credibility among, I think, business leaders who say, okay, like we get it. This is hard work. You're trying to do this. The challenge though is because it's the it's essentially the governor's office who has to negotiate that next teacher's contract, by the way, which expires in June. Um, so that is really like the, the, the immediate pressing issue. Um, you know, it, it's really on the governor to actually move, you know, try to move the needle. And, you know, I asked, I asked the commissioner this, I said, you know, is there any chance we're going to see, you know, a really rapid change and, you know, move the Providence schools back to uh back to providence back to mayor elect smiley's control um you know sooner than we all thought and she said that's not the plan that's not what they want to do you know there is a growing movement i think among I, you know you always have to be careful when you say within i was going to say within the community within community activists right now there's you know there's a move to kind of you know suggest that they should give control back to uh to the city i think I'm not sure that the average person even is thinking that hard about this. And we do all have to remember that the Providence schools weren't exactly thriving when the state took it over. That's um, right. 
right now they're unfortunately they're just stalled and as we talked about last week the the challenges the union tends to be you know they're an obstructionist on everything at this point it is true that morale you know has taken a hit both certainly within the teachers union that oh yeah that is nothing new but even you know even in that that central office in providence i think people feel like they're um just defeated is the, is the, is the phrasing that's been used for, to me that just, you know, we, we can't, every time we try to move the ball, every time we think we have a good, a good new cycle, um, you know, the, the next, you know, negative letter pops up or the next kind of crisis pops up. So they're really stalled. I mean, Look, the takeover has been really ever since Governor Raimondo sort of popped on the national radar and, you know, was was going to join the Biden administration or was trying to, you know, be a player in the presidential race in 2020. Really, it took a back seat, I think. Um, and it's been stalled ever since then. But I think it is at a low point right now. And and yeah, it's, it's something the governor is going to have to address pretty much right out of the gate. Folks, uh, you hear me mention Roadmap. It is arrives each day in your inbox. Uh, he's very modest about it, but it always contains different scoops. It has links to all the different stories in the globe, uh, whether it be on Thanksgiving with a horrible uh, accident at the Ingham oh. store with Apple or in all the stories, uh, including the Patriots. And Dan McGowan, right now, if you'd be so kind to extend that offer to everyone that's listening. Yeah, folks, very simple. Uh, you get it tomorrow because it's thanksgiving but you will get it friday morning uh you know for, for our uh, black friday edition um but very simple you don't have to do anything other than send a blank email to, i'll know what it is you don't have to write anything in the subject line to ri news at globe.com ri news at globe.com i'll sign you up you'll start getting it first thing friday morning folks he's dan mcgowan dan happy thanksgiving great job as always enjoy uh, your time off and we'll talk to you soon john uh happy thanksgiving i'm glad you're free and cleared <laughs> <laughs> and uh so am i and uh we'll Case talk dismissed. soon <laughs> right. thank you dan mcgowan have a good one see ya propane plus in rhode island for all your propane needs call them 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts you can reach them at 508-252-3359 propane heating and cooling it's propane plus their team's been there three generations they're available 24 7 for service and delivery and they plan on serving you for a long time to come they offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. In my mind, he's the top attorney, but he is our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I want to start off with, um, obviously, first, a public thank you. Folks, we got this, the uh, case dismissed through the, uh, the untiring efforts of Attorney Dodd. But I want to move into the um, developments in Boston with Rob Mack, uh, Rob McClanahan, who now uh, was able, the judge set a bail of 30000 And what are we to make of the uh, what came out today? We, we did learn, Tim Dodd, that apparently they executed a search warrant at his home and he lives like on the warwick east greenwich line some some media says it's east greenwich others say that it's warwick but anyhow and what what um what are we to make of the proceedings he's out on thirty thousand dollar bail i think he has a gps and they're only saying he could you know maybe go to see his attorney or uh see his family or something like that but what what's the latest on the rob mack case well it's interesting he he did make bail it's thirty thousand dollars and I believe the judge in Boston um, instructed um, 
McClanahan to remain in Rhode Island with severe restrictions. So yep. although there is, uh, although he waived extradition, um, the judge in Boston said, no, that's good. You're released on bail if you can post it, but stay in Rhode Island. So that's very unusual. <coughs> Excuse me. So it, it, the, what's going on in terms of executing a search warrant and going through whatever they can find? Um, does this guy like to video the activities that he's engaging in when he's got these allegedly unconscious woman, women who he has allegedly um, um, slipped a drug to knock them out. Um, yep. If if there's that type of material, if he likes to go back, arguably, and watch what he has accomplished, um, that could be problematic for him. <clears throat> what else might they have? Um, you know, where does he buy these drugs? Does he buy yeah. them online? I mean, there could be a trove of information that could be obtained from um, his laptop or his um, smartphone or uh, paper records that he might have in his possession. Um, Certainly, the cops knew a lot before they ever arrested him. Um, Apparently, at this point, we have more than 10 women complaining and corroborating that they have been subjected to the type of treatment that's been alleged in the current criminal complaint. Um, And there seems to be a pattern that um, he will slip the woman allegedly, this is all allegedly, at drugs that will knock them out. And while they're incapacitated, allegedly he enjoys um, engaging in bondage. Uh, Women walk away from these encounters allegedly with bruises. Um, And He's followed up with at least one of the women discussing the fact of the activity that they had together. Um, it's rather brazen. I mean, mm. I, I think his only defense is going to be to say this was all consensual. And I think all the women are going to say it was not. Um, <coughs> excuse me. At least one or more has gone to the cops. The statement that is um, on your website actually is, you know, somewhat graphic in terms of what the encounter was like for this woman to the extent she remembers it. Um, It's nothing that's going to put uh, McClanahan in a very good light. It's all very Bill Cosby-ish. Tim Dodd, also the fact that they were at his home I don't know where it was, but I think maybe in a closet or something, but they found not only uh, like bondage type of gear, but they also found, I believe like, you know, female women's uh, lingerie or whatever you want to call it, a thong underwear. There's, um, there's also, I mean, a possibility that with DNA and everything, that, that could end up being one of the victims. The reason I mention that is you you would think and i'm not you know saying that he's a a brilliant mastermind but it, it just makes you wonder if if someone who is in this type of trouble didn't think to remove things like that then i mean as you who knows what they may have also have found that he just for whatever reason didn't think that they were ever maybe going to show up at his doorstep well, and some people who engage in this type of activity, they like to have a trophy, some yeah. remembrance of the encounter, which, yep. you know, I can't explain it, but it's something that seems to happen frequently in these types of cases. So why did he have that type of material there? Like, oh. did it come from the victims? Did it not? I, I do think that as this plays out, I mean, it, it seems rather evident that these encounters occurred. They're allegations, but they seem to have a lot of um, substance and credibility to them. They're only allegations at this point. Um, What's he going to say? It seems to me he's got to say this was all consensual. Um, I think that's a hard sell, especially when so many women are coming forward saying that they were subjected to the same type of um, treatment, that he had the same M.O. to 
to give them a knockout drug and take advantage with, you know, the specific uh, bondage component um, and, you know, physical injuries resulting from the encounter, um, it's going to be tough for him. Tim Dodd, I want to follow up on that just a little bit because some people are already saying, hey, he's just going to say it's consensual. It's he said, she said. But you tell me, but in other words, in my mind, if that's the plan or defense, that would require him to actually take the stand and say that. If if you just have his defense attorney speaking with prosecutors, do do they like is there a way to work that in and float out just so you know he's gonna say it was consensual or 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 that type of defense and and that could be a defense, but would that require the individual to have to like he would have to get up on the stand and introduce that defense? I, I think you're right. I think that would be something that would be required of him because these women, to the extent we've got one or two complainants and many more who are corroborating, um, if they all say, listen, we went out for drinks and the next thing I know, it's the next day and I blacked out and don't remember anything. Um, <clears throat> one question will be, well, how can they be sure what happened to them if they can't remember it? But it seems like this guy at least with one of these individuals as contained in the police report would follow up and mm. admit it. And, you know, one of the victims said, you know, what did you, what did you do to me? You know, I'm all bruised up and I've got, you know, all these abrasions or bruises. And he was like, well, no, I, I, I'm very careful. I know what I'm doing. I would never hurt you. So he didn't say, like, what the hell are you talking about? He says, right. I'm good at this, and I know what I'm doing. I would never hurt yeah. you. I mean, right. is, that's not a confession, but that's certainly something that will be used against him. Huh. Um, and if he ever chose to get on the stand, he's, he's got lo a lot of explaining to do, as they say. I'm not sure that, um, I mean, he would have to take the stand to say this was consensual, but that's a very risky strategy because... He would get pounded on cross-examination. Right. That opens up other landmines. One more quick question. There are a number of people that know this individual, Rob McClanahan and Tim Dodd. They're saying, oh, he'll just, they'll offer her money and then she'll drop the charge and then this whole thing goes away. Um, what, what is your thought on that? And not at this point. Not at this point. If he had approached these women closer in time to when the events occurred. And I know one of these was very recent and right. paid them for their silence. Um, he might've gotten away with it, but at this point um, to attempt to bribe witnesses or make deals with witnesses financially to get them to not testify, I think is a very risky strategy that could expose them to more criminal charges. Huh. And Tim Dodd, the, finally, the, the Boston victim of which, you know, these charges are based on this incident that happened at the hotel and and they have the video of him sprinkling something in her drink after let's just say play it out. But let's just say there was a conviction that certainly doesn't stop her from going after him civilly. So he could be criminally held responsible and it could end up being a financial payday at the, at the end of this for her. Yes, just just like Bill Cosby, there was a yep. criminal co uh, prosecution. There was also a uh, civil pro civil um, trial for money damages. So you're right. Both could occur in this case as well. Um, okay. And in any of the other victims who want to come forward, if they can file suit for... Uh, money damages within the applicable statute of limitations. I don't know how far back in time these alleged incidents go, but yes, he could have a number of lawsuits filed against him seeking money. Um, he's got a difficult case. There seems to be a lot of evidence that's already popping out um, that would be harmful to him. I guess the only thing we can say is from the many cases that we've talked about, 
again, sometimes the first impression and what the media puts out there is not necessarily what the ultimate facts show when this gets to trial. So he's still cloaked with the presumption of innocence. And yes. the state still has to prove the case against him. And they're leaking out their best material against him. We haven't oh. heard much from the defense, but I would expect this guy would put on some sort of defense. Based on what we know right now, I can't imagine quite what it is other than consent. But right. I, I expect that he'll come out swinging at some point, and we will have to reassess what we think of this case. Um, and we'll look back in time to right now and say, gee, this is what the media fed us, and perhaps... Um, the reality is something different. Only time will tell. Tim Dodd, finally, before we take a break, but this this is a, a jail case. Oh, absolutely. This is years in jail. If he's convicted, wow. yes. years in jail. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a rape case. It's it's And it's a drugging to um, engage in sexual intercourse. All felonies, all, you know, I believe in Massachusetts, the rape would still be a capital offense. So um, he's looking at years in jail if he is, in fact, convicted of this, if he goes to trial. I mean, if he right. gets a plea bargain of some sort, that's a totally different animal. Yeah. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead, our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this next story is bizarre, but it happened. It, we're talking about some people are in an Apple store right in southeastern Mass in Hingham, and all of a sudden this guy comes cruising along, crashes into the Apple store. This is yesterday morning, or excuse me, Monday morning. <clears throat> One of the people are killed, a construction worker, 19 injured. Now, they uh, did a breathalyzer. The guy blows a zero. He claims that his sneaker got caught on the on the um, gas pedal. Um, I, I think he had a DUI a couple of two years ago, perhaps. But but I mean, unless right now, as much as this could look like an act of terrorism, he and at one hundred thousand dollar bail, he's he's claiming that his somehow his sneaker got caught on the gas pedal. So what? Let's let's hear your views on this story. Well, th apparently there's video of his vehicle traveling at a high rate of speed well before he got to the um, Apple store. Um, he has been charged with reckless homicide and reckless operation of a motor vehicle. He's being held um, on a $100,000 cash bail, which he has been unable to post, so he remains in prison. Uh, you, you correctly point out, John, that this guy, after the incident, fully cooperated with the police. They said, will you submit to a chemical test? Yes, I will. It was a zero for alcohol in his bloodstream. Um, he immediately made a statement that this was an accident. My foot got caught in the accelerator and I couldn't stop. Now, will that story hold up? Obviously, the police here will be scouring this guy's, you know, social media uh, footprint to the extent it exists. Um, has he online on social media made posts, you know, um, all the all these young uh, kids going in to get all this computer stuff? It's bad for society. I'm going to do something about it. Is there anything out there which would impute a motivation to this guy um, to want to do something like this intentionally. You know, if there is corroborating material that is discovered by going through his computer, his smartphone, etc., um, there might be something more to, to corroborate his intent to um, commit to this homicide. Um, but he does have at the outset 
a defense, a cooperative person who says my foot got stuck. Now, unless there's something out there, does he have a manifesto that he has published online uh, expressing anger towards the types of people who are at this store? I mean, who knows? But um, if he doesn't have a social media footprint which would line up with the state's theory that this was a reckless homicide, they might have a hard time getting a conviction on this, based on what we know right now. Right. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, coming up after Thanksgiving, December 1st, uh, marijuana will now be legally purchased by adults in Rhode Island. What, what effect will that have on, um, and, and how do they go about, like, where does that go now for any form of enforcement? Um, I, it, it's a very tricky situation. I mean, it seems to me the state's galloping ahead of um, all sorts of breaks that should be put on before this goes into effect. But here we are. The, there's going to be, I believe it's five, um, what they call hybrid licenses. Um, the stores will be in Providence, Central Falls, and I think Pawtucket. Um, they'll be able to sell a certain amount of recreational marijuana. Um, they're doing it against a backdrop, I believe, uh, under federal law. This is all still illegal. Um, so you've got the state doing something that the feds say is, is not legal to be doing in the first place. Um, right now, if you are stopped or caught with less than an ounce of marijuana, that's a civil violation, not even criminal at this point. It's got to be over an ounce to be prosecuted as a misdemeanor. So things are so different than they were 25 or 30 years ago in terms of marijuana, you know, uh, criminal conduct, so to speak, um. I think we're really in the brave new world. I'm not really sure how this plays out in terms of um, what can be prosecuted. I don't know if the feds are going to step in and try to exert themselves, you know, as a counterpoint to this liberalization of marijuana sales in Rhode Island. I I guess my answer is I'm really not sure um, how this is going to play out um, because it's so new. It's so different. And as we've talked about before, they're doing all this to chasing tax dollars from marijuana sales. They haven't yet figured out how to prosecute um, effectively um, people who are stopped for DUI, where it's not you know driving alcohol; it's uh, driving while intoxicated on a drug. If it's marijuana, as we've seen. There's no normative standard. So, okay, go sell marijuana, go put people behind the wheel, um, but we haven't figured out how to properly prosecute them. It it seems the lust for tax dollars is overriding um, a sensible public policy, in my view. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. At Med Urgent Care, urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, At Med Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals, they're a cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. Folks, we speak with our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, Channel 12 exposed a story in North Providence where apparently they pick up some town DBW crews, uh, crews excuse me, and they're doing work on property owned by 
Mayor Charlie Lombardi, who then does an interview and says, hey, yeah, you know, it's not against the law. What, I can't hire town employees? I'm paying them. Is this a case that possibly it's it's more of potentially an, an ethics violation as opposed to breaking of the law? I, I, I don't think it's either. I mean, it's a okay. nice, splashy, it's a nice, splashy story for Channel 12. They yep. did a nice little piece of investigation. I, I think they had a, a big story, but it's kind of a small story if you really consider it. So Mayor Lombardi, who I think is an excellent mayor, as an aside, um, he hires um, DPW guys on their own time, not on town time, on their own time, to do some work cutting grass or doing some landscaping. Now, he asks the assistant DPW director, Anthony Ritchie, hey, do you have any guys who want to make some extra money? I've got a job. Yeah, we get some guys. They want to go do the job. Apparently, Richie in the past has authorized these after-hours town workers who are now working for themselves to utilize town equipment um, with the caveat, if you break it, you own it. So that, to me, is the policy or the decision of Richie, which warranted his suspension without pay for a week. I, I don't think it's appropriate for him to authorize guys after hours to be utilizing town equipment. Now, how much of this knowledge and approval is imputable to Charlie Lombardi? Charlie says, hey, I didn't know that Richie was, you know, necessarily letting these guys use town equipment. I don't disagree. I asked if there were guys who wanted to work that I would pay them directly for after hours work. They did the work, I paid them. Now, they do have Charlie at the scene while these guys are working and there is town equipment being utilized. So I think that he must have gone back to Richie and said, what the hell is this? They're using town equipment. I'm getting questioned by the media. I didn't know this was happening. I gotta suspend you. Richie has come forward to say, that was a mistake. I should have never let these guys use town equipment. In the future, you know, if uh, after hours jobs are going to be done, uh, privately um, purchased equipment, we'll have, we'll have to go to Lowe's or Home Depot and buy the equipment that we need and not use town equipment anymore. So I don't know how much of this sticks to Mayor Lombardi, um, unless somebody's saying this is something that he's been doing for years and this is the system in North Providence. Um, that would be one thing. I think there was a dust-up a few years ago with another allegation of the mayor having town employees or town equipment utilized for his private work. But um, in this case, Richie seems to be standing up saying, this one's on me. And, um, you know, the mayor saying, I didn't do anything wrong. And what I do for my private pro uh, property that I own on my own time, hiring um, workers, um, I've got a perfect right to do that, and I, th I think he's correct. Yeah. And Tim Dodd, finally, we're seeing um, that apparently two local hospitals, Roger Williams and Fatima, that Prospect uh, Medical, who owns them, looks like they could be some kind of a deal and selling them to a, I think I saw a nonprofit out of Atlanta. The only reason I ask that is it is, it seems to be a unique area where, okay, they want to sell it, but Boy, there's a lot of legality where I believe Attorney General Peter Narona gets to weigh in on essentially whether or not he's comfortable with this sale going forward. Yes, and Peter has nixed sales, um, not this sale, but different deals in the past. Um, these hospitals are private, but they serve a public purpose. And I believe there's legislation that does require the AG's input to review the terms of the deal to make sure that you know the public will not be adversely affected by this purchase. Let's assume that Centurion, this isn't the case, but let's assume Centurion wanted to buy all of the assets of Roger Williams and Fatima in order to close the hospitals or to turn them into condominiums or something that's, you know, a far-fetched example. But the AG would likely and properly um, veto those sales because these hospitals are essential to provide healthcare services for Rhode Islanders. So 
these 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 sales have to be um, something that will not adversely affect the citizens of Rhode Island, and that's part of what the AG is um, tasked to do. He's required to do in these situations. So this deal is going to get a lot of scrutiny before it's um, approved and before the sale goes through. There's interest of the workers at the hospital, people who would be patients uh, utilizing the hospital services. Um, will there be enough staff? Will be, there be enough funding? Um, there's so many questions that uh, Narona is now going to have to deal with, but that's the system, and I think it's a safeguard to make sure the public has adequate medical services available. It's the way it should work. Folks, he is our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent jo job as always. Case dismissed. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and all your listeners. Take care. This is the perfect time of year to have some paving done for your home, residential, commercial, seal coating, and patios. Make it letter J, J Perry Paving. They provide high quality, fair pricing, exceptional service. Call them today for a free estimate, 401-732-1730. The next couple of months, get your driveway prepared for wintertime. Call J Perry Paving today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. Licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting their clients' needs no matter how big or how small, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed. Call J. Perry Paving today. Affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Remember, even asphalt can be recycled, reused. Call them for a free quote. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. Look for them on Facebook and call 401 732 1730. Remember, no one's better to veterans than J. Perry Paving. Call them today, 401-732-1730. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, free estimate, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. Remain healthy. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401 401- 305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care, it's my health. Pop in and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie. 401-305-3585. Diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant.